This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> This episode of Half Measures is brought to you by Time Travelling Team. I'm Trisha. Each week, Paul and Dan do a fantastic job guiding us through the wide world of movies and TV shows. Meanwhile, my co-host Paddy and I are taking a trip through the time vortex and discussing the wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey world of Doctor Who. Starting back from the earliest adventures in 1963, we're discussing the stories, the Doctor, the companions and the villains of this iconic show. You can find us at Time Team on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy as Paul and Dan do their thing, half-measure style. Kia ora, and welcome to episode 30 of Half Measures. 30 episodes of talking entertainment movies, television, a window into the world that few listeners is seen through the eyes of two, dare I say it, humble and seasoned New Zealanders. So thank you. It's been a pleasure to have you with us. It's a pleasure to have Starscream introduce us. And it's a pleasure to introduce the world's number one Cobra Kai fan. It's Dan Whiting. Kia ora. 30 episodes. You know what, Paul? Mm. I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna come in hot. Okay. Uh, I, would never, I would never have guessed. I want to stand by for a moment. Sons of Gondor, of Rohan, my brothers, I see in your eyes the same fear that it would take the guns akimbo from me. A day may come when the courage of our listeners fail, when we forsake our friends and we break all bonds of fellowship. But it is not this day, an hour of half measures and shadowed shields, the age when our listeners come crashing down. But it is not this day, this is the day we record. By all that you hold dear on this good earth, I bid you listen. People of the world, this is Half Measures. This is Paul Kanawa. He's my ride or die. Now let's get that daily bread. Absolutely incredible. I, f- I feel like this this should be a day job for you, Dan. I feel like you've, you've gone next level. I remember listening back to, uh, to an old episode and I, I did an intro and you said, Paul, that's a pretty deep welcome. I feel like you've you've gone like a radio. Like you you've, you've gone. We've gone so far beyond that now. It's uh, it's incredible. You did well there. I had to um, block out your your face so that I didn't look at you while I was reading it because I knew I was going to laugh. And even me just thinking about your face made me want to laugh at several points in that intro. I, I, I'll turn my camera off from now on. So that yeah, because I was I was having to sort of turn away from the camera myself interesting but yeah 30, 30 episodes then it's uh it's quite incredible i was actually um i was talking to my my brother-in-law uh earlier in the week and he's been catching up on the podcast which is great and he mentioned that he just listened to our review of the gentleman great movie great movie and um when i look back through our episode, I didn't realize that was actually episode 16. And I feel like that was so long ago now. And I was just thinking about, you know, how much stuff we've watched since then and talked about since then. And just you know, thinking about how much the format of this podcast has changed, you know, the regular features we've got, our subscribers, our regular listeners and mailbag contributors. You know, we've got our movie of the week. What else have we got? A peak performance, podcast sponsors, patron supporters. Facebook friends. I mean, we've come a long way, I think. For, for and I'd love to see what we look like in, in another 
30 episodes. I imagine, of course, we'll probably have sold out to Amazon or been shut down by Trump or, or something like that by then. But it's uh, it's been a journey, eh, Dan? I think, too, just looking back as well, like I – like. We've had a pandemic through this whole process as well. And I remember in the early days, you know, probably saying some pretty cringy stuff about um, <laughs> about, the, uh, about COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like, yeah, like I'm with you. I feel like anyone who's gone back or anyone who's been with us from the early days, hopefully you have seen a real uh, evolution in in quality <laughs> and performance of this show. I know that... Um, Please don't write in. <laughs> I feel like it's... You know, I think we, we've we've come to really, you know, really like fine tune and and work out how we can make this show better. And I'm with you. I think by the time we get to episode sixty, you know, that should be a uh, still rough around the edges, but with a little bit of polish, um, and, and even better show than the one you're listening to today. So if you've been with us from the start, that's that's amazing. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. We try to have a good time here as much as possible. We sure we've do. got uh, we've got listeners all around the world. Uh, I was just looking actually, Paul. We've got we've still got such a, a, a strong representation not only in, in New Zealand where we're recording, but um, in the US and the United Kingdom and Ireland and Australia, Germany, Canada, Sweden, the Philippines, Netherlands, India, France, Italy, Puerto Rico, Singapore, Hong Kong, South America, Portugal, Brazil, Poland, Spain. So many, so, so many, so many, and we, we've just we've just gone over the threshold of half of the United States now, not as in half of the population, but half of the half of the number of states. We're up to 27 uh, states in the US now. So that's that's not bad. It's uh it is great. And uh you know we do have those those regular listeners that, that keep in contact and we love that. And uh of course Dan, you know, it's 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 all of where it started was around what we've been watching which is what we'll we'll jump into shortly but b- before then uh what else are we going to say oh uh, well i guess we've got to give a, a special shout out to our um patreon producers of the month which are trisha month of the episode uh trisha brady and samara king thank you again um for being uh, at the five dollar tier on our patreon if you would like to support the show um help keep us running then you too can sign up all of the, the details for that are in the show notes but um you can do that at, at half measures. Sorry, God, I'm all over the place. This is also another thing you learn about half measures. Yeah. It's always just a, it's a real shit show of like what we're actually saying and what we're talking about. It's patreon.com slash half measures podcast where you can find that information. You know what we should do? We should actually make some notes and then we could read from them. Wouldn't that be something? That's outrageous. I well, I was listening to a podcast this morning actually, and they pre they obviously pre-record the the beginning part and the end part, and that would kind of make sense so that you can get like a really nice take on it. Um, and then you can just cut that in each week. But that's way too full measure for me, I think. I, I, I like the the fluid nature of our conversation, Paul. It's more natural. Indeed. And the conversation continues online. So we do like it when you get in touch with us, which you can do via our Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, at Half Measures Pod. And you can also get in touch with us at Half Measures Podcast. Dot com, and you can join our Discord community by clicking on the link in the show notes. Um, and of course, Dan, the one part of this podcast, and this is where it really started, as I said, and I feel like this will always be a part of the podcast, no matter where we go in the future. And that is, what have we been watching this week? Well, 
Look, I I feel like I actually haven't watched a lot to be honest. Like you know, I, you know how it is on the on the show sometimes. Paul, there's there's weeks where it feels like you fit lots of TV in, and you can like binge two seasons of Cobra Kai and rave about it to as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where your workmates actually tell you to stop talking about it um, and go and go and join a karate dojo if that's what you want to do. No, I don't want that. I just want to talk about Cobra Kai. Um, but, yes, yeah, so I'm a little bit light, but I've got a few things that might pique your interest okay. that I've been watching. So I've been progressing uh, with Seinfeld, which is a, a fairly regular watch that we've both been checking out. I'm just about at the end of season five. Uh, the episode I watched last night actually was the Hamptons uh, when they go and visit Elaine's friend and there's the, the ugly baby and there's the, the shrinkage situation and the, uh, such a great episode. I it's one of those episodes where I was really looking forward to, and it just kind of, it just like um, came out of, came out of nowhere. I'm like, oh god, we're already at this point. So, yeah, really racing through Seinfeld, really enjoying it, finding it a a great palate cleanser, I guess. It's great when you get to an episode that you've been looking forward to that you knew was coming because it's uh, it's you just build up to. It. For me, it was the the opposite, which you you'll be coming along to in a season or so. But uh, episode, is it there? oh. That, okay, you're that far up. Okay, you're not far behind me then. I don't think. Great. Yeah, I've just got the I've got the episode list here in front of me. So, yeah, that is the the very next one. So, and that's the end of season five. So, brilliant. Scary times. Scary times. You'll be pleased to know as well, Paul. I have now finished Star Wars Rebels. I am up to date. I am sad. I want more. I'm even more excited for The Mandalorian Season 2 than ever. And I think there is some huge possibilities in there. And the final sort of five episodes of Rebels, they're good. They're really good. A lot of it's good before that, but mm-hmm. where the story heads, like, you know, I feel like I say this all the time. But I think these shows can sometimes do start out as a little bit, um, we're trying to bring young people on board, we're trying to get a new audience in, but they quite quickly turn quite dark, you know, and there's there's some pretty big plot lines. There's, you know, I guess we're talking, are we talking spoilers about this? I was Rebels? just I was just going to say, if you haven't watched it and you want to just maybe, maybe pause or scrub forward two minutes because there are some things that, that will spoil it if you, if you hear them now. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, so obviously um, one of the the biggest um, things in which happens in the episode is the, is the death of Kanan, and that 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 really shocked me. It, it, I guess it it was kind of I, it was kind of, I don't know. It was I, I just for a second. I, I thought you were going to break down. I thought this is going to be no, 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 no. No, it was just. It, it's surpri- I guess it surprised me. Mm. Like I'm not used to seeing uh, a Jedi fall, and I think the a, I think the relationship between I think Ezra and Hera and Kanan like it's so good. And even I think when I think back to the first episodes of Rebels, even um, like Sabim and Chopper and like, it's they were kind of a bit of a rag a ragtag group. Um, crew but I think by by the end of season four mm. uh, they're a family and to see Kanan go mm. I, I, rem- I remember watching that with both both Diana 
and we were watching with uh, our son who would have been i guess nine at the time and yeah it, it, it you could see it in his face it, you know it was real it's a real it's a real moment it's 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 great tv it's dave filoni deserves way more press and credit than than he than he gets he gets quite a bit but his 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 direction and his vision with that show has been outstanding and i think coupled with that what made it so great was how they tied it into the existing universe the existing movies bringing in some of those big actors james Earl jones coming in as the voice of vader ian mcdermott coming in as palpatine uh so many others so many others um it just all came together I think to um, such a like if you're really interested in the Mandalorians, so much great like Mandalorian mm. like lore, um, Aloari lore, in terms of just like seeing a lot of their um, a lot of the backstory. There's a lot of reference and um, a lot of use of the dark saber, which again is something we see in uh, the Mandalorian, and it's just really interesting to see the way. The relationship the Empire has with Mandalore, and it just makes it makes things kind of make more sense for me when I think about uh, when I think about the Mandalorian. When I think about Boba Fett, um, it makes me very intrigued to see where Ahsoka and Sabine um, kind of end up. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, there's that scene where um, where Ezra. Um, saves Ahsoka from, I guess, a, a certain fate from a, from her duel with uh, Darth Vader, and you know, just that even the tension and the way the episode plays out of he sees a chance to save um, Kanan, but he but he can't do it without like losing other people. That you know, it's just it's it's quite a complex and quite a, a, a deep storyline, and it actually adds so much depth to the Star Wars universe. It makes you. I think appreciate the storytelling and the other stories so much more. And I think that um, what, it, what it actually kind of makes me think is when you take stories, you know, like the, the more recent Star Wars movies, they're just a slice of what's going on. Mm. You know what I mean? Like mm. there's, a, there's so many stories to tell. And I think there's some real great opportunities here for Disney um, to – Really do some do some different things to go, um, to go 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 bigger, go smaller. It doesn't matter because there's just so much gold in there. Going deeper is the one that really that you're touching on there. That's I think has been the success. And I did have this as a news article, but I'll, I'll just mention it now. Like Obi Wan Kenobi, the new series has uh, Ewan McGregor has confirmed it's it's a one shot. It's a one season. Um, so that's going to give us a limited window, but it's still, there's so much more you can get, even in, I don't know what that ends up looking like 10 hours of television. There's so much story you can get in there. And that's what I love is the amount of depth you can get out of these stories and the journeys you go on. And I, I think also, if we think about the ending of the Clone Wars that we talked about a few, a couple of months ago, um, how that ties in with Rebels as well. There's, there's so much so much uh, emotion there with the Anakin character, the Vader char- character, the Ahsoka character. Um, just quickly, just to touch on the voices, also Billy D. Williams as Lando, Anthony Daniels as, as C-3PO, and Frank Oz as Yoda. Having all of those people come back from the original trilogy, um, again, just just really, for me, sealed the deal. Yeah, look, uh, 
it was such a great watch. I I know I I kind of watched it very slowly at the start, um, and I feel like in a way, I never watched it slowly because I wasn't enjoying it. I kind of felt like I was watching it slowly because I didn't want to not have it. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like I get like it. I, I'm kind of just savoring it. Um, I get it. I, I don't know. It, it's um. It's definitely going to be a series that I come back and watch again. And I think um, when we start to see some of these things play out in uh, The Mandalorian, I think, which is even though we've got quite a bit of a time jump between what happens in Rebels mm. um, and The Mandalorian, it's it's still just so interesting how this whole world connects together. I think there's one, there's one other character I, I guess I want to give a – I'd like to have a bit of a talk about – um, and it's the relationship between Zeb and uh, Agent Callus. Mm. Like, it, <clears throat> I don't want like, again, like, I think it's some quite, like, there's kind of lots of implications that they're kind of a couple. Do you know what I mean? Like, in a, in a, in a weird way. And I know that, like, they don't come out and say, this is a thing. Or not, but the way, like, obviously, like, um, Zeb takes Agent Callus to, like, um, meet his family. Um, you know, they could kind of clear Callus's name. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, there's there's some real, like, um, heavy themes in there. Yeah, no. Which I thought was interesting. You're absolutely right. I, I never, I never looked looked at it quite as far as, as a couple, but certainly I see there's a a very close relationship, there's a closeness between the two of them, given the history that they had, and then of course with with uh, Callus coming coming out as being, you know, the the defector. The uh, what was the word they used in the series? I've seen it for a while now, but he was he was the the spy. He was the the insider. Yes, Fulcrum. Fulcrum. That was it. yeah. Um, and. Uh, yeah, really, really complex relationships, and uh, this is why. I'll when, tell you. I was just no, saying, sorry, yeah. This is why when we were talking about what do we hope the next Star Wars series would be, and this is why I was like, oh, I would love for them to almost do like a Rebels two, and and pick up some of that story. So how the season ends when we see Ezra and Sabine in the future, um, post Return of the Jedi, and Sabine's talking about that post Return of the Jedi. I would love to see to have seen that carry on because of how great these characters are. I, I would even watch an animated series of um, Sabine and Ahsoka at just running parallel to A New Hope, Empire, Return of the Jedi. That would be great. Even if it was a limited series itself, like mm. just to see what they're doing in the, the, the deep space that they're basically going out to to, you know, find the one. Um, yeah, look, great series, great recommendation. Really enjoyed it. Super hyped up for what's next. Um, kind of sad that it's over. Definitely really gutted about Kanan. Um, but yeah, no, good recommendation, Paul. It's a great show. And uh, when you watch Rogue One, you can always look out for uh, the ghost, for Chopper, uh, for the mention of uh, uh General Sindula, uh, there's also in Return of the Jedi, you see the ghost in that as well. So you, and sorry, 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 not in Return of the Jedi, in um, Rise of Skywalker. So you know that mm. it makes it all the way through. So uh, it makes me want to rewatch I th- it. Yeah. I think in the, you know, the one thing, which I'm not sure how I feel about this, is in the Rise of Skywalker, 
um, again, spoilers, uh, when Hux is kind of re- um, revealed as a as a spy. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like such a rebel storyline, like Hux and um, Callus are kind of similar characters. And I think if you're if you're real deep into the Star Wars lore, you know, it's a bit of a, a replay of storylines a little bit. Um, but at the same time, it kind of I, I kind of maybe appreciate that more. I remember saying in the Rise of Skywalker, Hux is a oh, this is ridiculous, but you know, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, no, you're absolutely I'm right. At one. No, yeah, you're right. And we, we we had some conversations with some of the you know the folk in the Discord channel recently about the Rise of Skywalker again. It cropped up about some of the writing, and I guess that's what you've just touched on there is another indication of saying that you know oh we've already done this, we're doing it again. So uh, yeah, fair fair call, fair call. Okay, so there's, there's one other show that um I've been watching mm-hmm. that this um you, you might have heard of it. Um, it maybe goes by the acronym of TOS. Um, no, no, you, you gotta be joking. You've the original series. So Paul, um, Samara and I were talking the other day, oh, we've got to start watching some, uh, some Star Trek, you know, Paul's putting all this time and energy of the fast and the furious. We've got to start. And so you know, I thought to myself, all right, is this the time I talked to Paul about it? No, he's probably got some stuff planned. I you know, maybe I'll just have a bit of a, we'll just have a bit of a dabble, did a little bit of research you know, do we want to go TOS? Do we want to go um, the last generation? Do we want to go, I don't know, the next generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, Discovery, Short Treks, Picard, Lower Decks, who knows, you know? Nice. And so from my research, well, I guess there's, there's two things here at play. Everyone, everywhere I've looked online has basically said these things to me. Well, not to me personally, to the internet. <laughs> You know, if you if you want to if you want to go pure, you'd, you'd start with the original series. Mm. The best series, everyone says, is the Next Generation. And then, like you know, it's probably dealer's choice about whether you want to dabble in, in, into some of those other ones. Mm. Um, and uh, lots of debate about whether you should just jump into Discovery and is that the right way to go? Something that um, Samara and I always struggle with is. We want to do it from the beginning. Like we want the we want the pure experience. And so, on Netflix. So, so I guess in a more context, I have seen episodes of the original series growing up. I know little bits. Like I, I couldn't tell you really. I know the main characters. I've obviously seen Star Trek movies. Um, and so we thought, you know what? Let's put on a couple of episodes. Now, the one thing I read was, you know what? You could probably skip skip the first episode, the cage. But you know what? On Netflix, that's the first episode. Mm-hmm. That was a hard slog, I tell you. So we've watched three episodes of the original series. I don't know. I don't know. I like it, but I don't know if I can do how many, like, I'm just scrolling here. 79. 79 the problem i'm having is like they're fun because they're because they're old and they're fun because they're they're you know they've kind of i like the way that they've been made i like james d kirk i i like uh but it's just you some of these stories would be great as 15 minute cuts Mm -hmm. i don't need the 55 minute cut to see some of the stories 
I guess my question to you, Paul, is are we are we just are we being crazy trying to work through the original series? Or should we just kind of appreciate it for what it is and move actually into the more popular um, the next generation? Or like we're just so we're so torn about it. Like I've got these three episodes I've already watched. I feel like I want to watch more. Like I, but at the same time, I don't even feel like I've just watched. It feels like a hard watch as well. It feels like going to the gym. You know, I'm, I'm sure that the benefits are going to pay off. But do I really want to go? I don't know. Dan, I feel like you've made one of the best life decisions I've ever heard that you've made. Um, firstly, can I say I'm just completely gobsmacked a that you started a journey into the, the world of track I, I didn't see that coming i didn't, I didn't get any senses that, that was coming and b that you've gone that you've gone old school that you've gone all the way back to the beginning i feel that is a pure way of going that is uh you know that is the approach that that trisha and patty uh have with with their podcast for doctor who uh i feel like what you've just said around what you've read on the internet is is likely a view that's held by many Trek fans, I think uh, myself, Ash Gardner, friend of the show, would agree around the next generation possibly being the strongest. The thing is, we grew up as teenagers and whatever watching that, and so we have an appreciation for what that was like at that time. And same with Deep Space Nine, same with Voyager, same with Enterprise. Going back to some of those shows now, some of them have aged a little. The first couple of seasons of Next Generation have aged in terms of lighting, production values, some of the sound editing. You know, we're going back to 1987 for that. The 60s show, the original series, is classic, is iconic. I wouldn't have recommended it as a place to begin for yourself. I and that's not the thing. I don't think you would be a purist. I just think you would probably get more satisfaction from a modern day production with a modern story i would have probably said to you to start with discovery uh which is uh serialized is you know big story acts amazing production values i mean i'm this is this has been a top three show every year that it's come out in the in the first two seasons and we got the season three starting next month um but i think it's great that you're doing it i don't know that it's necessarily I, I'm not sure. I, I'm never sure what your appetite is for stuff from the '60s because I, you know, I watch a lot of old movies, a lot of old shows, and a lot of old. And you know, and I'll be honest with you, I'm bringing another one to the table this week. But um, it's it's one of those things that's either for you or it's not. So I, it's it's a hard call. I think it's the actual like the '60s quality doesn't bother me. Like okay. I, I I find that there's quite a charm to that. Mm-hmm. I I guess you know another thing that I, I've read in sort of trying to research like am I sticking with this or not is that the that the original series um was much more driven and I'm you know this is obviously as a as a non um you know big Star Trek fan so you might have some different views on this is more like a lot of the decisions in there were driven by the studio um and what was gonna I guess sell or get get eyes on it whereas the the next generation was more of the 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 Roddenberry vision of Star Trek and the reason I feel like the next generation is more up my list is 
I don't know, Paul, but I, it could be a sign. But I've just heard so many people in different podcasts I talk and different podcasts I, I talk to. I'm on, I'm on lots of podcasts, you know, <laughs> uh, podcasts I listen to have been talking about the next generation of like about it being the greatest Star Trek. And I just think to myself, I'm, I'm missing out. Uh, I, I guess I'm just not sure. It's more the length of these episodes of the original series. Like, I. I just don't know, like, if I can do it, like, if I sit down and, like, if it was on in the background, yes, mm. to actually sit down in a dedicated time, like, like, don't expect me to be back next week and saying I've finished season one. Like, it, I imagine if I was going to continue the original series journey, mm. this could take a good year to watch. Yeah, oh, it, it will. And, and you can pace yourself, I guess. Uh, I... I'm I'm not prepared for this conversation, Dennis. How I feel, uh, what the, the shows are so special to me. I feel like you know, it just reminded me of you know, I watched in the '90s as it came out week by week, and enjoyed it uh, as a you know, I guess in the '20s, whatever, teenager maybe, <laughs> and um, but I really enjoyed the rewatch. And the rewatch I did was about 15 years ago when I first met my wife and. I've never really told my this wife. my wife, but I, it was one of the greatest rewatches of my time because I got to I got to sit down and watch it, you know, as an adult, um, but you know, with the person I love, and it was great, and it was such a great experience doing that. And so, I am so biased by my own love for the show that I I don't know how to give you um, uh, objective advice. I don't know if you can see this. I'm going to try and show you on the screen, but. The guys at uh, Roddenberry.com just literally today have run a poll. So saying, what's the best first season, Discovery or the original series? And I don't know if you can see that, Dan, but John and Norman have already had over 500 votes and they got 72% going with the original series. And those are all people who uh, are following John and Norman because they're Star Trek fans like me. And and I really feel like uh, someone coming in who's not got that behind them would probably point to Discovery, would would possibly point to i would even suggest maybe even enterprise uh to you the the scott bacula series or i wouldn't go with picard on the basis that that is so much richer once you've watched uh, the next generation because the picard is is the is the the dessert the this this amazing gift that we've been given as Star Trek fans that none of us ever thought we'd ever get. This is a show that finished thirty years ago, and, and all of a sudden it's come back uh, in, a, in a limited form. So, uh, I think the other thing I would just quickly mention is my worry is that season one of the original series is far and away the best season of the original series. Season two is quite good. Season three, I think, goes downhill probably led to its cancellation um so if you're not vibing it and i think the first 10 episodes of season one of the original series are possibly some of the best if you're not vibing it you will be in for a long haul and i would i would i would recommend you switch up to discovery not only is that great because you can easily binge that and it's very watchable and it's got you know it's got dwight from the office in it what more do you want um it also means that when we get to season three we can talk about it on the podcast together um but i, I really feel that that would be my advice to you, but I, I look forward to hearing next week what you decide to do. So so you're saying uh, you think if I get into something a bit more modern, I might then have a deeper appreciation for the older content. I think so. I think I think what it will do is you'll become part of the universe, part of the, the franchise, You'll and it, you'll want to dive in. And when you go back and watch those things, 
I feel like there may be more of a hook in there for you. It's the same for me when we when we talked to Paddy and Trisha about Doctor Who, like I got in through the 80s Who, and because I enjoyed that, now I've got that appetite to go back and watch what they're watching, the, the black and white William Hartnell original Doctor. Mm-hmm. There's no way I'd start there um, for me. So that's that's I guess I'm sort of using that as a analogy. I'm, I think maybe what we might do, I, I think what this conversation has done for me is it's made me think maybe we need to give a couple more episodes of the original series a go and see mm-hmm. whether mm-hmm. It's, it's clicking. If it is, then we'll we'll soldier on. If it's not, maybe um, we'll we'll jump up. I would be keen, and I, you know, I know there's a lot of listeners who. Um, listen to the Half Meters podcast who are quite big Star Trek fans. I'd love to hear your thoughts mm-hmm. on, you know, Paul Flink's discovery or should I go um, the next generation? I think those are the choices. I think the other thing is, and I, again, this is probably my naivety to Star Trek. I don't really feel like I have any strong desire at this point. Like I feel like I'm interested in the original. I'm interested in next generation. I'm interested in discovery and I'm interested in Picard. The ones in between that, don't speak to me as much for some reason, but that, that may change. Mm. I think they're those ones that played concurrently in the 90s, so the, the Deep Space Nine and the Voyager, I feel like if if and when you get to the end of The Next Generation, I would bet everything I own that you would want to watch Deep Space Nine immediately afterwards on the basis you enjoyed The Next Generation. If you didn't enjoy The Next Generation, then no, you wouldn't. But if you enjoy The Next Generation, you will not be able to help yourself from because Deep Space Nine plays concurrent to The Next Generation. A couple of the characters move across to that show. And Voyager is a wonderful show that's had a lot of bad press. I feel like we need to do an entire episode dedicated to to Star Trek. Um, But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see when we get there. I'm excited. This has been tough for me, Paul, because from the moment we played it, I have taken so many Snapchats that I've almost sent you of me watching it, and I was like, no, nope, hold it for the pod. <laughs> I've been wanting to talk to you about it all week. It's worth I've it. I've been holding back. It's worth it. And, and you know what? And now, now I've caught you unprepared. It's the, best, it's the best way to get me unprepared, always. You can check in on me next week, and I'll, I'll let you know how I'm going, whether I've made any progress or whether I'm still just kind of paralysis by analysis. Okay. But yeah, okay. that's uh, that's me. That's what I've been watching. What, what is, about you, Paul? What is quite extraordinary, Dan, is that we're thirty episodes in, and I was thinking literally this week. I thought, I think like I've waited long enough. I feel like I've earned the right to maybe watch some Star Trek and bring it to the to the podcast. So all of a sudden, you've brought the the, the track, and now I'm following up. And what I've done is, uh, I've gone with the undiscovered country. And um, so this is the, the the final movie of Shatner and Co. So the original crew who you know started in the 60s. So this is their final movie that aired in 1991. Uh, so I'm going to go light on the spoilers because I feel like, I don't know if you've seen this movie, but certainly if you haven't, um, you may want to. But, uh, you know, I've, after venturing into the Fast and Furious world, you know, I, I did feel like, you know, I need to need to come back to something that's uh, a bit more, bit more like every now and then I do have a bit of track in my system. It's like a booster shot, you know, and um, yeah, it, this this movie is the perfect perfect swan song, as it were, for for the old crew of Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Scotty, Uhura, Chekhov, and Sulu to sign off on. And the, 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 ironically, then one of the things that I like about this movie is that you don't 
it doesn't play into the law of Trek too much. You don't need any huge technology to be able to watch this movie. All you really need to know, I guess, is that uh, humans and Klingons have been fighting forever. And most people probably know that anyway, just through, uh, you know, just, you know, just through life. You just sort of get a feeling of what Klingons are. Klingons on the starboard bell. Never, ever say that. Again, the song, the song is, is banned. Oh my goodness. You've brought a lot of memories for me. Um, so this movie was a, Pleasure to go back and watch it. It's a really, and again, it's a really straightforward synopsis as well. Basically, the movie starts with a planet exploding, and that explosion is the the, the Klingon homeworld. And the result of that means that the Klingons' homeworld has been polluted. Their ozone is so badly affected that their home planet has roughly fifty years of life left to it. So it'd be kind of like if our moon exploded. You know, what effect might that have on the earth? And would we survive that? And so facing that catastrophic situation, the movie focuses on you know the reality that this longtime enemy is, is no longer able to maintain their position. And so suddenly they're, they're searching for a peaceful alliance. Uh, so I, I kind of love that the, the journey towards peace and the struggle to achieve that peace is at the heart of this movie. Um, and, you know, there's people on both sides who don't want a bar of this. And that's where things really kick off. And it appears in the movie that you know, the Enterprise shoots down the Klingon Chancellor's ship, um, but was it actually them? Was it was it an inside job? Mm-hmm. And that's where that's where the crux of the the, the movie is. It's kind of like a uh, it's a political movie in, in many respects, and it's not something that Star Trek has done on the big screen before. I wouldn't say it's um, it kind of leaned heavily into like the end of the Cold War as a as an inspiration for the writers. And for me, there it sort of makes it one of the most powerful of all the Star Trek movie stories, I think. Uh, I think William Shatner is at his strongest in this movie. You know, Captain Kirk is, is great, but a lot of people will, will point to William Shatner and talk about his, his acting being relatively wooden and, and two-dimensional, but he's, he's, he's really good in this. There's a great scene where he's recording his captain's log saying that he's not ready for peace. He doesn't like Klingons. He never has. He could never forgive them for the death of his his son. Um, and uh, then, you know, him and Dr. McCoy are put on trial. There's some great scenes in this movie. Um, as you know, every Star Trek movie always has a villain. Um, this one is no exception. There's been some great villains along the way as well, just while we're talking about Trek. So you've got, you've got Tom Hardy, favorite actor of yours, Dan. He's a, he's a villain in one of the movies. We've got Benedict Cumberbatch, Christopher Lloyd, Idris Elba, Eric Banner, and of course, who could forget Ricardo Montalban. Um, but this one, is uh, in he's cast in the role of like a poetic anti-peace Klingon uh, with one eye is uh, none other than Christopher Plummer, uh, looking very much different to his role in films like you know Sound of Music or whatever. He's superb, and I think his his uh, sparring with Kirk is what kind of brings out the best in Shatner. So um, so yeah, I actually think this could be my favourite of all the Trek movies, and that takes into account the original and the new ones. Um, the Wrath of Khan is often considered the best Trek movie and with good reason. But for me, I think this one is so well done and such a nice way to send off the original crew that I think I'm going to actually, for now at least, it's my number one. Wow. I, you know, I think this is another overwhelming component to the, the Star Trek universe for me is there's so many movies. Like so, and I, I imagine, because I think, you know, when somebody says to me, 
um, I haven't seen Breaking Bad or I haven't seen Game of Thrones or I haven't seen, I'm always like, oh, I'm so jealous. That's amazing. And I imagine there's probably people out there being like, imagine if I was watching Star Trek for the first time. Wow. Like, and I'm just like, oh, God, there's so much content. Um, But, yeah, that's, look, even just flicking through these movie posters Mm. um, and, look, I guess I'm, I guess I'm interested. Like it's kind of piqued my interest. Um, I, I've also kind of like I've learned about this thing called the Kelvin timeline. I, I didn't realize we're on a different timeline. There's, there's so much to know. Okay, so so just really really quickly, there's there's the six original movies. This was the sixth and final, as I said. Then there's the four next generation movies. The first of which is kind of a crossover because Kirk shows up in that one. Spoiler. And then of course you've got the latest three movies, which is the Kelvin timeline, which is basically where J.J. Abrams came along. By the way, did a fantastic job, I believe. Um, but wanted to do something, but not have it affect the. The the, the the Trek universe that exists. So basically sort of saying, okay, well, let's do everything, but do it in a different timeline. It's a, it's a clever way of sort of giving yourself a, a clean slate. Um, what I just thought about, just going back to your conversation, maybe if you wanted to start with the original crew, one way of doing that would be to start with the movies. And you could just watch those six movies as a way of getting your feel. And if you feel a real connection to those characters through the movies, and there's only six of them, uh, and I would love to hear you talk about a movie each week. Um, then, then you could go back to the series. That would that would be great. You may have to, to to grin and bear it through the first one because that's 1979, and they basically wanted to show off all the special effects that they'd nicked from Lucasfilm. Um, but other than that, the story arc of two, three, four is is fantastic. Five, as we talked about on one of our podcasts, is my um, 10 movies to get to know me, the fifth movie, The Final Frontier, and then the sixth one, the one I've just watched this week, uh, is my favourite. So uh, that, that's what I'm putting to you now, Dan. I can tell you're excited, Paul. I can tell you you're putting oh, at the bang for this. It's amazing. So um, so can I watch, can I easily find in, in New Zealand Star Trek The Motion Picture on a, on a platform, to your knowledge, or am I going to have to... I have all 13 movies on Blu-ray and I will happily courier them to your address if you provide me with a postal address so we can do it that way. I don't want to know where I live. No, um, I get that. I get that. No, I, that, that's actually an interesting idea because I think uh, the movies could be an interesting way to kind of keep up to play with the original. Then I could kind of live this desire to experience the next generation and do the movies, and then at some point I could always be coming back to the original series because one of the, the other things I've read is there's not a lot of reference to the original series, like you know, and, and you know that's not critical to your Correct. viewing experience. Correct. This is the way. Okay, this is the way. All right. So am, am I gonna? You know what? I'm gonna commit here on the Half Measures podcast. Brilliant. I'm gonna watch the motion picture before episode thirty-one. Unreal. I feel like I'm going to have to watch this movie now as well. Uh, okay, let's let's save that conversation until we get there. It's it's hard watch. Is that a, is that our movie? Is that our movie next week? Maybe, maybe. Who, who knows? We'll see. We'll see. Um, I'm going to do a cleanser. Who knows? Um, Sorry, what, what else have you been watching? Well, I'm really. Yeah, I've only I've only got a couple of things, but I will I will try and speed up because we did not anticipate this much track talk. Anyone who's listening could be scrubbing forward like you know twenty seconds, thirty seconds. Oh, when are you going to stop finish talking about Star Trek? Um, another movie I watched this week, um, as I indicated, I watched another old movie, nineteen sixty one. This one uh, called One Eyed Jacks. Uh, this movie 
this movie's been on my watch list for a while, mainly because this was the one and only movie that Marlon Brando directed. Um, so this is a Western and like, uh, you know, like many Westerns, it's a pretty straightforward plot. Um, so these two guys rob uh, a Mexican bank, surprise, surprise. Um, and one of the, one of the guys, not Brando, the other guy, he takes all of the loot and uh, he leaves Brando behind uh, for him to be captured. And then the rest of the movie sort of is uh, following up his journey to, to find him in California. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so I found this one on Amazon Prime. As I say, I've been wanting to watch it for a while, but at nearly two and a half hours, it's certainly a long watch. And this one maybe suffers a little bit because of it, because it is very, very slow. There's a lot of preamble, a lot of extended scenes, lots of build up. And look, you know, as I guess perhaps listeners, I do like a slow pace. I, I, I'm quite happy with those sorts of moves, but this one really pushes the limits, even for me. Um, so I think, you know, with, with Brando being both in front of and behind the camera, this was definitely an interesting watch. Uh, I always enjoy watching Brando. There's always something about his performance in every movie he does, even the ones that weren't that great. He's, he, you know, his voice is unmistakable, and he's got such a bravado and such a confidence around him. You can feel the aura of him in any scene, even in 1961. You you can sort of feel that, but um, at the same time, I feel like there may be a reason why he didn't direct again. I mean, it was it was okay. Don't get me wrong. This movie is is not a bad movie, um, but. Nothing really stands out for me. I think he's better definitely in front of the camera. It's not the most enjoyable Western ever, but, um, it, you know, it's it's been on my list. And uh, so often is with the case with these older movies, right? You never know what you're going to get. And I feel like I've had a pretty good run. I've really enjoyed, you know, my, my watch of Flash Gordon, uh, Invaders from Mars, Doctor Who and the Daleks. I've had a few good ones, but this one, not for me then. Wow. Well, that's uh, not something you hear every day, not for walk an hour. I think um, I think that's the thing with westerns, like particularly when you go to the to the older westerns, they're often a, a much slower burn, aren't they? They're they're not quite the um, more action packed storyline that we may be used to over the last twenty or so years when we think western. Yeah, correct. But at the same time, when I compare them to other westerns from the sixties, like we were talking about when we talked about Clint Eastwood, you know his. His trilogy, you know, Fistful of Dollars for a few dollars more, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, those movies are head and shoulders above. Um, and that's got nothing to do with Clint Eastwood versus Marlon Brando, just simply the the, the quality of the story and the, and the direction. Uh, so, so yeah, so um, those are the the two movies I've watched this week. The, the evenings, um, my wife and I have been binging uh, How to Get Away with Murder. Uh, so this is not necessarily the kind of show I would always watch, but we've been watching this now for, uh, I think we're into the final fifth season and the underlying story is really cleverly woven together and it's, it's really easy to watch. Um, so if you haven't heard of it or seen it, this is about a group of, um, law students in, in America and their professor, who's a, a criminal defense lawyer. And basically they all get involved in a very twisted murder plot and, and from here on in, this basically changes the course of all of their lives and it's how that plays out. So yeah, so as I say, it's the final season and just like shows like Dark, things are very, very complicated. The web that's been woven is, is very, very tangled indeed. Um, but for me, the appeal of the show and the real strength of it is is the lead, um, which is 
Viola Davis in the role of the um, the professor Annalise Keating. Her life uh, in the classroom, the court, and even more at home is just really intense. There's so many twists and dramas and scandals and crimes and as the as the name suggests, right, murders. Um, so. Yeah, she's she's really really strong. It's no surprise at all that she's won the Emmys and the Golden Globes for this role. Um, she has a stare that will cut down anyone, and I mean anyone. And she is so strong and confident in the courtroom, but then you see her outside of there, and she's really insecure and you know uncertain um, alcohol, alcoholism. It's just there's all kinds of levels to it, and so I, I, I guess I watched the show many for her performance. Um, plus. The, the other side of the show is it's kind of this really funny scenes with all the students. You sort of follow their lives and, and the trouble they get into. Uh, that, that's some pretty funny dialogues in there. And I guess that's that's good. Sometimes it can be a little bit of a weak link. Sometimes the story can be borderline, I don't know, teeny 90210-ish maybe. But for the most part, it's it's very good. So um, it's a good cleanser after watching a show like uh, like Back. It's on Netflix, so so yeah, it's uh, it's worth. Also, it. there's a, a lot of seasons there as well. Like there's what six seasons of the show. Is it six? Sure yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. No, it's. Uh, I, I've actually heard good things about this show, so it sounds like one that you're going to stick with for a while. Yeah, well, we're inside the final four episodes, and I, and I believe, unless I've misread this, I'm just going to check. I think we're we're definitely into the 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 final season. So. Um, so it's it's kind of like a it's a solid show. So it's kind of like a like a, a shows like Blacklist, the sort of shows that I will quite happily just throw on every now and then, and maybe watch as a bit of a cleanser in between shows or something. We're we're binging it at this point because we've you know we, we've watched all the other seasons and we've um we we haven't had the chance to sort of catch up. But um, no, it's a it's 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 a decent show and. Uh, I would I wouldn't necessarily stand here and recommend it, but I would certainly say if it's that if if the storyline appeals to you, I think you you may well get you know quite a lot out of it. To be honest, awesome, awesome. I think it's always it's always tough, and I think I found this coming from Cobra Kai, where I just loved it so much. Mm. And you know, we've, we've talked about this before with Dark and Breaking Bad. Like, what is the next thing you watch? And and I kind of feel like I'm in a little bit of that space at the moment, which is how Star Trek kind of came to the top of the list because we've been talking about it for so long, we probably should be giving it a go. Um, but I still haven't found my next, like, really sort of, like, clutch, important show, which I, I'm just really throwing myself into. Yeah, and I just checked. We are, yeah, we don't, we're in the final season, so this is the last four episodes, so this will be all finished by this time next week. Nice, nice. So, um <clears throat> Is that all you've been watching, Paul? That is me. Yeah, that's me. Nice. That must mean we are on to... Movie of the Week. Movie of the Week. That's right. So uh, for those of you uh, who are new to the show, each week um, Paul and I pick a movie that we, we both watch and then we, we sit back and sort of give it a, a review, a bit of a deep dive into it. Uh, we post these movies in our Discord channel, so if you'd like to, you know, maybe watch along before we talk about the movie, come and join the the chat there. Uh, but normally, what happens, the way it works, is we take turns, we pick two movies, and we let the other person choose choose what one we're going to watch. Uh, and so this week, I gave Paul two choices. I gave him Papillion, 
the the 2017 movie, and I gave him the 2019 classic Cats. Much to my surprise, Cat, mm. Cats wasn't the pick. Mm. I, I can't see why it, it said rave reviews. It has had some reviews, hasn't it? I, it's one of those ones that, yeah, it. I just didn't feel like I. I like this podcast to be positive wherever possible. And I felt going into this that I, I might not be positive about that movie. And I knew with with this, with um, Papillon having watched the original, that I was already hooked into that. So uh, it was an easy choice for me to go with this one. So, yeah, so this week it's uh, Papillon. And so just a, a little bit of a, a summary of what this movie is all about before we get into it. So Papillon follows the the epic story of Henry, Henry uh, Papillon, how do you say his French name? Char... Charest. Sure. A safe cracker from the, um, basically from Paris, who's framed for murder um, and contend to life in prison in a penal colony on Devil's Island. Uh, determined to regain his freedom, Papillion forms an unlikely alliance with a quirky convicted counterfeiter, uh, Louis Dagger, who's played by Rami Malek. Um, who in exchange for protection agrees to finance Papillion's escape. And so Papillion is played by Charlie Hunman, who some of you may know from Sons of Anarchy. Uh, he's been in uh, The Gentleman more recently, the Guy Ritchie film. Uh, he's in, been in Guy, um, King Arthur. Uh, uh, Rami Malek has been in iRobot uh, and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And so this movie is actually a, a remake from a, a movie that came out back in the, the 70s, I believe the original one came out. Paul, what did you think? I love this movie. It, it may even be stronger than the original, which is, I think, a massive call because that movie had you know a peak Steve McQueen uh, as Papillion, as, as Pappy, as he's as he's called in the movie, um, and Dustin Hoffman played the role of Degas. So that's a massive act to, to follow, and I really enjoyed that movie. I own that movie on DVD. But like you, I am really turning into a big fan of uh, Charlie Hunman. Everything I see him in, I think he's really, really good, and he's really convincing. He's not afraid to throw himself into some really intense fight scenes, and I, I thought he was really good in the role of of, of Pappy and um, and Rami Malik. I'm not I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, but he, he's amazing in his role of Dagger. I've I've only actually seen him in uh, what was not I it was Mr. Robot, was it Mr. Robot? I haven't seen it. Oh, Mr. Robot. Yeah. Robot. Yeah, that yeah. was the Will Smith. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. But um <laughs> I haven't seen him in anything since since that, but I'm already convinced based on this movie alone that he's going to be a great villain in the in you know the, the new Bond movie. He's got such a distinctive look and the way he carries himself. I thought he played his role of the sort of the you know the intelligent schema of, of the group if you like in this movie really really well um quite a brutal movie eh? you know it's but it's one of those films where it doesn't feel out of place you know the, the those prisoners many of whom were wrongly convicted were treated in you know some really inhumane ways um and so yeah it's really powerful and i you know i love a true story and knowing that he you know, spoilers for anyone, you know, fast forward if you don't want to know, knowing that he got away and that he got his story heard and published and now, of course, told in, in two movies, I guess. Well, it makes it even more poignant. What did you think? Um, well, I think uh, a couple of things. So I was just, 
in, in a true half measures fashion. Uh, so Rami Malik is actually also um, he played uh, Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody. Ah, uh, haven't seen so, that yet. Mm, I haven't seen it either, but I, I also hear good things. Um, look, I I loved it. I enjoyed this movie a lot more um, than I thought I was going to. I agree with you that it was a like it's a pretty grim, dark experience. Like I, I couldn't even imagine being sent off to a, a penal colony to basically mm. live out your sentence with no hope of return and kind of you know the the speech that they get when they when they arrive on the island is basically you know if you try to escape you're going to get what is it two years in um solitary confinement if you try to escape again it's five years if you kill a guard you basically get uh executed and like it, it's hard it's, it's it's some hard conditions i think it's I think you're right, Charlie Hunland. He plays a he plays a great role, and I think it's it's really hard for me not to see him as uh, Jack Stella from Sons of Anarchy because he's such a badass. I think the one thing that I think the film could have maybe I think they could have done a little bit more kind of like setting up at the start okay. of sort of just sort of setting up who these people were and kind of in investing me a little bit more into why I kind of cared about why they ended up um, where they ended up and like it was cool seeing kind of um, 1930s Paris um, sort of Moulin Rouge era and kind of uh, that was that was really cool I, I just kind of felt like the, the depth of the story is really based around the prison which which to be honest is kind of the, the best part of the story but the the quick sort of like race to get there mm. kind of left me um, wanting to know a little bit more, particularly about Rami's character and, and who he was and why he was important. And I didn't get it. And it actually made me think this would actually be a really awesome TV series. Um, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you know, not a six season show, but a, a two or three season, 10 episode per season, deep dive into some of these characters and the, the longer term kind of escape plan and trying to get out and the, the journey of that. It'd be fascinating. It'd be really good. Um, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. I definitely hear what you're saying about the, the sort of the rush to get to the prison and sort of like the lack of build up there. This movie is already, you know, two hours 13 long. And so there, there would have been a danger of it being feeling like a long movie, I guess, if they'd done a little bit too much, but I definitely take your point. Cause, cause I was actually looking at this and thinking, you know, I'm amazed at the critics, have given it such a middle of the road rating. And I was just thinking, well, what else could they have done? What's missing? You know, it seems to have balanced everything really well. It's paced really nicely. The directing is great. There's, you know, so much emotion, good action scenes, great cast. It's well written. The sets are fantastic. Um, really, really good sets. You know, I, I started thinking, you know, what is missing? So maybe, maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Um, I find whenever there's a remake of a classic, particularly a classic that has some sort of beloved actors that sometimes critics go even harder on it. And it's like, well, this wasn't as good as Sean Connery. This wasn't, you know, there's kind of that sort of, um, reaction because it scores well with the fans I note. Um, so uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend this movie to, to anyone. 
I yeah, I I agree. I think people do give it a, a harder time when there is an original, particularly because I think you know there's some pretty big actors in the original. But even though I, like I, I think for me, someone who hasn't seen the, seen the original, I still really enjoyed it. I got a lot out of it. I actually, you know, the, the comment I made about wanting more context at the start. By the time I got to the end of the film, I feel like I didn't need it. But it was definitely at the start of the film. I was like, oh, it feels like we're, we're, we're rushing a bit here. Mm. I do think another awesome um, piece in the film is when uh, uh, Pappy is escaping and the person who's going to help him get to a boat is actually another character from uh, Sons of Anarchy, which is played by uh, Tommy Flanagan, who's Chibs. And those two characters had such an awesome relationship in Sons of Anarchy. And it was so cool to see them together again on screen, even for just a moment. Um, it, it kind of, you know, it, it warmed my heart. So I thought that was really cool. And, you know, Tommy Flanagan's role in there mm. less than a couple of minutes on screen, but it was, it was still very cool. Nice. I think the other thing, the film, uh, I think, does a really good job of is yeah, I really felt for Pappy. Like mm. every time he failed and he didn't give up and that, I, I, my heart sunk for him and I was like, oh, God, like, can you really do this again? And he was he was so resilient and so determined to get out of there, um, which was awesome. But, again, it just links back to, really probably knowing a bit more of who he was and why the drive to get out of there was so important. I didn't feel like he was getting out because he was trying to get back to the love of his life or he was trying to get back to um, seek revenge on those that kind of um, had him in prison. It was more he just wanted to get out because he wanted to get out. And and I I felt like I was just looking for it a little bit more. But, you know, on the guns akimbo scale, I'm going full guns. This This is good. I'll give it four guns as well. I think um, what you just touched on there with the the way you sort of empathise with with Pappy is credit to the you know the lead actor in the role, Charlie. I guess this is where I think he's slightly superior to Steve McQueen, which is not something I'd say about many people because McQueen is obviously the the coolest guy who ever lived. But he almost brought a little bit too much cool to the role, and he was a little bit too. Oh, this is dangerous territory. I'm going to start criticizing something that shouldn't be criticized. But he he was he maybe played it a little jovially at times, whereas this one was felt a lot more real and a lot grittier. And so I guess I guess the comparison here, actually, since we talked about Connery before, would be like looking at like a a, a Roger Moore portrayal of Bond and then comparing it to a modern day Daniel Craig portrayal of Bond. There's something you're getting in the modern day version and it's the same here in this movie. So this is a great choice, Dan. And if anyone's in New Zealand listening and wants to watch it, it's on Neon. I say go watch it. Yeah, look, definitely I agree. Um, it's it's a good watch. Uh, and look, jump on the Discord, flick us a, a message, send us, tell us on Twitter what you think of it, but yeah, this is definitely a, a full guns akimbo. Great stuff. Dan Whiting, I'm going to pass this one to you now. If you'd like to take on the role as the news anchor and tell us what's been going on. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what the sound is. I've got it. Didn't, didn't, didn't roll that time. All right. What's happening on the news desk, Paul? There's a few things happening around the, around the, the globe. So... Once again, I'm going to come at you with a, a wide range of topics. No popcorn updates for you this week, oh. but you can't have it all. 
you know, quite often in the news we've been talking about these uh, new Fresh Prince of Bel-Air TV show. And you may be pleased to know the original house from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is available as an Airbnb for Amazing. a very short period of time. That would be fantastic. So uh, it would be so amazing. And so it, it, this is sort of a, a one-off deal where it's, it's going to be available for like five lucky people can win a, an Airbnb experience in the home. And it's to um, promote the, I guess, the, the anniversary of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And what a cool experience. Now, obviously, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was uh, recorded in front of a live studio audience. So inside the house will be nothing like the actual sets that we, we saw on TV. But just imagine the opportunity to go and stay at a, a Bellier mansion um, as your Airbnb. I don't think it's pretty cool. That would be amazing. Cool. Uh, really once in a lifetime. I was thinking about this the other day with Seinfeld thinking if I'm ever there, I, I'd have to just try and walk past the restaurant, you know, or, or you know, something iconic like that. It just feels like a big, great experience. It's definitely my one regret from being in New York and never actually getting to the to the restaurant. Mm. I, it's it's a missing piece. Um, but you know what? They always say leave something left to do, so you've always got a reason to go back. So right. correct. There's my reason to come back to New York. Get your COVID under control. Okay, so <laughs> too far, too far. Sorry, sorry, New York. Okay, so another bit of news. So you'd be surprised and probably disturbed to know, uh, Paul, mm -hmm. that Disney Plus has now launched in eight more European countries. Who in this crazy world does not have Disney Plus? Imagine now we've just been through the hell that is 2020 <laughs> and you don't have the Mandalorian. You're bloody kidding me. So those countries are <coughs> Portugal, Norway, Denmark, Sweden, Finland, Iceberg, Belgium, and Luxembourg. They've only just got Disney+. Plus. This is why people pirate so much stuff on television, and this is why I'm on the verge of doing it with Star Trek Lower Decks. Just share the content with the whole world. I cannot believe we're, we're about to go into season two. I feel like I don't know how anyone in those countries would have coped. If they, if they were a Star Wars fan, how would they cope? And just to be clear, like we're not talking about a country with limited um, access to technology. Portugal, Norway, Denmark, Sweden, Finland, Iceland, Belgium, Luxembourg—like these are these are yeah. big European countries. Yeah. I, I I was generally shocked to to see this article, but um, congratulations, you're getting Disney Plus. The, the UK had to wait till March. And that, that's, that was a long time after. I mean, there's so many things that would have been spoiled. I mean, even just, you know, we talk about the child, the baby Yoda. There's no way, even if you switch off all your social media, and I do that sometimes, that you can avoid seeing some things. And it's just the idea of that being spoiled. I'm angry for them. I'm sorry, I feel sorry for them. No, I, yeah, I, I feel like, I just think it's, it's so crazy. And I get that from a licensing point of view. There's obviously lots of legal things to work through. But particularly when you're talking about new shows, even if it just launched and the only thing you could watch on there was The Mandalorian, this is the way. This is Come on, way. Disney. Step it, step it up. Step it up. Another bit of news. So another movie delay. In fact, two movie delays. One official, one kind of on the cards. So it looks like uh, Wonder Woman has been delayed again. So that was originally going to come out in October 
now being pushed back till Christmas. Mm. We didn't talk about this last week, did we? I'm having a real sense of deja vu. No, I've, I've got it written down here as a point was the Wonder Woman 84 delayed till Christmas. That was last came out this mm. week, yeah. I genuinely worry. I like. I, I think we've got to get these, get these, get these to the, in people's homes. I'd pay. I'd, I'd pay Mulan money to watch this. Yep, I would. Uh, we would for sure, hundred percent. This, this, this has the appeal, and like I said before, it's going to cost pretty much the same as it would for two people to go to the cinema anyway. So the, diff- right. the difference That's is, right. I can watch it on the comfort of my own couch and uh, not have to put up with other people making noise in the cinema, which you know I just can't stand. Can't stand it. I'm with you. The other movie that's um, about to be, uh, I guess, pushed back again is Black Widow, uh, the latest Marvel mo- mm-hmm. movie. And I think to myself, it's the same with the, the James Bond movie, No Time to Die, just the fact that these movies are sitting there ready and they've been ready for months and we can't get them. It's, it's, it's not great. It's not great. Uh, one other bit of news, uh, an unfortunate passing of uh, Dame Diana Rigg. So... Mm. Uh, for me, she's always going to be my Olena Tyrell in the Game of Thrones. Um, obviously, part of the many, many different um, projects and James Bond films and, and all sorts of things. But uh, a great loss and such a great character in Game of Thrones. And re- you know, regardless of where that show ended, I think she had some of the the best lines of dialogue. Um, you know, sharp as a whip and could cut anyone down. Uh, a, sad loss. a definite sad loss a great actress uh, i really enjoyed her in all things uh, i really enjoyed her in extras with ricky gervais and and Stephen merchant she had a she had a she had a great scene in there with daniel radcliffe and uh that was hilarious but for me she will always be uh tracy uh the 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 one girl that james bond married and that was in the on her majesty's secret service the uh the george lazenby bond movie um it was a, a great a great performance in that movie. So, yeah, very, very sad. And then a final bit of news, but a, a big piece of news that we might want to um, dive into because there's a few different angles on it is the end of The the Walking Dead has been announced. So at the end, uh, we've got like another what, 20-ish episodes of The of the Walking Dead um, of the, the current season. It's going to come to an end. And... There's talk of many different things. So there's talk of a, a Carol and Daryl um, show that will, will come after this, whether that's uh, – I, I don't really know too much about whether this is going to be a, a Daryl McCarroll, whether it's going to be a, a kind of a, a direct continuation of a timeline, whether it's going to be a, 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 it could cover a time jump where they're off doing other things. Uh, but I think what's really interesting is, you know, Robert Kirkman, the creator of Walking Dead, talked about this series could go on for years. And for uh, the, the comic book fans, it just kind of ended all of a sudden. Um, they turned the page and that was the end. And I feel like obviously we're getting a bit more of a, a lead into this with the with the TV show. Um, but it's it's interesting you know, and I've, I've had many opinions on the show over the years. Uh, I've come from, you know, super fan to enraged fan to tolerating fan 
to like I'm definitely going to watch it. I'm, I'm definitely you know excited for its return, even though every year it kind of frustrates me a little bit. We've obviously got um, Fear the Walking Dead, which um, having got into last year, you know, started to really enjoy. We've got the the new um, Walking Dead. I always get this name wrong. Beyond. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well beyond. Uh, well beyond. And beyond. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so we've obviously got still another couple of years of of the actual Walking Dead. But what do you think about this? Well, what do you think about them bringing this this particular arc to an end? Uh, okay, so bringing the act to an end, I think, is the the right call. I feel like this show has has had a really good run. I think we've talked about peak Walking Dead being those six first seasons um, from the moment that sort of Rick sort of uh, from season seven sort of became that sort of subservient character and then came back. It wasn't quite as strong when he went out of it. It's not been quite the same. So I think the decision to end it for me, at least, is 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 right. I think it's a good time. I I, I would rather see that than see them just sort of labour on. Uh, I hope they have a good finish. The Daryl and Carol show, um, I feel like they may play it as a as a means of jumping back. I hope they don't. Uh, even though I'm sure there's plenty of stories in the comics that they could dive into. I just feel like um, prequels are good sometimes, but if you're focusing on two characters, we're never going to have too much danger of them ever dying if it's set in the past. That being said, if it's set in the future, there's never going to be too much danger of either one of them dying. If it's the Daryl and Carol show, it kind of, there's a, one of the things, one of the strengths of the walking dead for me has always been, uh, you, you just never know when someone someone was going to get killed off, like a main character, just all of a sudden out of the blue gone, and that was always the shock factor. Um, so the other thing is, without being too negative, these two characters and the way, particularly Carol, if I'm honest, has been portrayed over the last few seasons with her, I want to be part of the group. Oh, no, I don't want to be part of the group. It's Yeah, we've talked about this a lot. Uh, Diana has talked about this a lot. It's kind of... Uh, I wonder what stories there are still left to be told. Um, and so of everything that's going on, I'm mostly excited about Fear the Walking Dead returning because I believe that show's on the way up. I'm really enjoying all of the characters in that show. Um, I'm excited to see the World Beyond series, but um, I- I'll wait and see. So yeah, there's a lot going on. I feel like we're going to be talking about The Walking Dead quite a lot, um, probably in two to three weeks' time, once because all three of those shows are going to be running concurrently, which has never been done before. Um, so will we will we have zombie fatigue, as you've you've called it once before? I think um, what's interesting is so Daryl was never in the The Walking Dead comics, oh. and so he's a he's He's an original character um, for the TV show. And Carol has a, a relatively short run in the comic, so they're both quite different characters. Mm. It would be yeah, it'll be interesting because obviously the the Rick Grimes movies are still kind of in, in the mix. I think there could be some interesting ways to kind of stitch all this together. I'm not sure whether Daryl and Carol are the characters I want to know more about. Um, if I was gonna, if I was gonna pick some characters, I, I'd almost be interested in what's Maggie been up to, um, or you know, obviously we're probably not gonna see it because I think some of these, some of these characters are actually, I actually wonder whether they're getting a bit tired of the show, and I think, 
you know, what's been happening over particularly the last few years is it's actually been the actors being like, actually, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I've done my time mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm moving on. And so I think it's it's ultimately good that this has kind of got a, an end point we're working towards. I am very unsure about having all of these kind of different things at play in the next couple of weeks, but we'll, we'll see how that goes and, you know, we'll definitely be talking about it and um, doing a bit of a deep dive. But it'll be interesting to see maybe, obviously these are still early conversations. Mm. Um, I'm sh- who knows where the, the Daryl and Carol thing will end up, but I, I'm not sure they've got enough of a, a chemistry to to maintain their own TV show. But you know what? I might be wrong. I might be wrong. Hopefully I am. One thing's for sure is that both you and I and many other people will definitely be watching anyway because we, we won't be able to help ourselves. So um, we'll we'll see what happens when we get there. Uh, I do have just a couple of little pieces of news to throw in as well. So the Mandalorian trailer that came out this week. Um I managed to go so well not watching the Star Trek Discovery season three trailer, but I just I just could not help myself when the the Mandalorian one dropped. And I know you haven't seen it, so I won't discuss it. But all I will say is it just looks great. And I'm starting the the rewatch of season one of Mandalorian this week. We'll start uh, an episode or two each week, maybe, um, just to get myself ready for season two. Um, and then finally, uh, oh, you want to say something about that, Dan? Yeah, I was just Samara and I were just talking about this about when is going to be the right time to start watching um, the Mandalorian because obviously there's only eight episodes, and so what I was what I was trying to decide is because it's not till the end of October that we get the Mandalorian season two, and so is it too soon to start? Do I wait till October? I don't know if you're going to start watching it. Maybe I need to get on the stream. It depends on what your appetite is in terms of binging. So for me, this might well be something I want to might want to watch with the family. Maybe so it may be something I might watch on the weekend. So I might do a couple each weekend. In which case, I might start watching it now just to yeah. do a two. But if you're wanting to binge it, uh, you could you could probably leave it till till mid October and be fine. Um, so yeah, very exciting though. And uh, yeah, if you do decide to watch it, let me know because uh, it's a uh, it's it's a very short but just really effective. It's, the Disney do trailers well, you know. We've talked about this before. No matter what you think of any of the prequel movies, I think most fans will agree that the the trailers always just get the feels right. <laughs> they really do them well. Uh, the the other Star Wars news was the the I want to call it a trailer, but it's not really a trailer. This is for the um, the new Star Wars EA Star Wars Star Wars Squadrons game that's coming out in a couple of weeks. Um, there was a Star Wars short, I guess you call it a short, and it was it's only six or seven minutes long. Uh, they published it online. It's set after Return of the Jedi, and you basically follow this this Imperial TIE pilot on the battlefield, and he's hunted down by this New Republic X-Wing, and that's all it is. And I won't tell you how that ends or what happens, but it's really, really good. It's, it's all CGI, but it's just amazing. And I will playing this game um but i will mostly be watching this game watching my son play it that is um i'm excited to watch him more than i am to play it because i i'm terrible at video games and and flying things that's not me at all but i'll have a great time giving it a go and watching it it looks fantastic so uh yeah if you uh, go to the ea star wars homepage, you can check out that trailer i don't know what it is paul but the x-wing is one of my favorite um 
attack spaceships of all time. And even in Rebels, and even when I just hear someone say, um, lock, lock S4 is an attack position, it, it sends a chill down my spine. And so this is a game I'm definitely very excited for. I expect to be terrible at it, but I'm also pretty excited to be able to lock my S4 in attack position. That's right. It's one of the things that always comes, like I think that was one of the things that Rogue One, I think, Gareth Edwards did such a great job directing those X-Wing scenes that I, I don't want to go too deep into this, but I feel like the final third of Rogue One is possibly the best final third of any Star Wars movie. I felt like it was so great. Those X-Wings and those those scenes are just, yeah. So I get what you mean. And uh, I'm sure some of our listeners will as well. I think too, you know, just, you know, the, the reference you made to the prequels. I think that the great thing about Star Wars is it all ages like a fine wine. Like I love the prequels now. Like I know they get a hard time for various reasons, but you know what? I love them. And I love, I, when I first watched Rogue One, wasn't sure about it. Rogue One is now one of my favorite films. And I can't, like, I can't wait for the day when the, the latest Star Wars movies start to feel like that for me. You know, I know that they will over time. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it just takes a little while. Correct. Absolutely right. Um, shall we dro- drop over to the mailbag, Dan? Yeah. What, what, what's happening over in the, in the mailroom? Uh, so. Firstly, we had a we had a heap of responses actually to the the sci-fi film, The Beyond, that I talked about last week. There's a lot of love for that film, which was really pleasing. And um, what was even more pleasing was seeing that a lot of that was from people who were part of the film. They got involved as well. So, just really quickly, a shout out to Has Dalal, the the film's writer and director. He retweeted us. He thanked us. He started following us on all of our social channels. So he's really committed to Half Measures. Um, so thank you, Has. Uh, actor Nigel Barber also started following us. Uh, he was the guy who played the head of the space agency, and he's the guy I mentioned last week uh, you might know from Spectre or from Mission Impossible. He also posted a photo of our review on his personal Instagram, which I thought was was you know, pretty decent of him. Uh, Adam Batchelor, who was the cinematographer, he shared our review with his followers. We also had Georgina Blackledge, who starred in the film as the head engineer. She commented on our Facebook page. And we also had another actress, uh, Nolene Kaminsky, who was basically the lead actress in the film. She said she was going to listen to the podcast. And then later on, she sent a very quiet, uh, kind tweet out to our, uh, all of her followers about our podcast. Even mentioned you and I by family name, which I thought was um, quite extraordinary. We haven't had that before. Um, what else have we got? Well, so we had more questions coming in for uh, Frank Cadado, the the voice of Starscream, who we'll be talking to in a couple of weeks. Um, again, to anyone who is running in, probably don't ask for stuff about season two. I don't think we're going to be getting those ex- exclusives. Um, on our Facebook page, um, we had uh, Darwin from chicago he uh, commented at length to uh, to you dan uh, regarding your comments on on cobra kai um he, he said how he, he liked how they kind of dropped johnny lawrence in the late 2010s as if he just woke up from a coma from the time the first film concluded that character who was surprisingly easy to sympathize with uh, has to deal with the same stuff that older viewers might be struggling to adjust with in the current era and that he really enjoyed all the obligatory 80s references and so on and there was a whole bunch of comments in there so that was great i think he really enjoyed that podcast so thanks for getting in touch again darwin regular contributor for us um the peak performances from last week nicole kidman we had uh, quite a few votes for uh, to die for uh, from our friend 
Patty and some other people uh, who we haven't met before who don't have names, but they have usernames on Instagram. Um, Half Measures producer Samara King went with the Golden Compass, uh, commenting that even though the movie flopped, she loved it and Nicole was great in it. Um, Daniel Day-Lewis, we had uh, Anthony Noto, who's the host of the New York podcast, Who is Saving the Planet?, uh, he went with Phantom Threat. This is a recent film. I just added that to my watch list after, actually because, uh, funnily enough, I looked at it. It has the second highest rating on Metacritic of any Daniel Day-Lewis movie ever. Second highest ever. So um, I thought that was pretty good. Uh, regular listener, Ash Gardner, he went with Lincoln or, like us, we had Gangs of New York. Paddy gave us a, a one, two, three finish. Gangs of New York, followed by Last of the Mohicans, and then in third place in the name of the father. And we had Geraldine from USA. I'm not sure where in the USA, but she went with My Left Foot. That was a, another classic Daniel Day-Lewis movie that neither you or I mentioned last week. And finally, Ryan from San Francisco, who I, who I just figured out actually is the same Ryan who gave our podcast a review a while back. So, so thank you, Ryan. We do really appreciate that. Uh, he went with my left foot as well. So that's what's in the mailbag this week. And so if you would like to get involved as well, then please do so. You can reach us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Half Measures Pod or via our website, halfmeasurespodcast.com. Cool, so it must be time for peak performances. So I guess much like how we pick a, a movie of the week, uh, we all, Paul and I also pick a, an actor and an actress where we, we choose out what we think are their, their favourite film. Or our, oh, what, a, what a mess, what a mess. We pick out the our favourite films that they've, uh, they've starred in. And so every week, as you've just heard from the mailbag, often creates a whole bunch of great conversation. It reminds us of movies that we've really loved um, and often gets us watching things that we, we haven't talked about in a long time. And so, uh, Paul, you were on the, the peak performance choices this week. Who did you go for? This week, Dan, I have chosen Halle Berry and Gary Oldman. Amazing. Who are we going to go for first? I'll let you choose, and I'll let you kick us off. All right, let's let's go with uh, Halle Berry. So, Halle Berry, an interesting choice. Uh, I feel like I've seen a lot of Halle Berry movies over my time, but not recently. Mm. If you know what mm. I mean, I remember watching her a lot in the in the two thousands. With all sorts of you know movies like like Catwoman and Swordfish and Monsters Ball and Gothica and a, a whole bunch of things, but I think for me when I think peak performance, my runner-up choice this week is going to be Halle Berry as Storm in the X Men. So I think uh, Halle Berry is a is an awesome uh, Storm character. Those original X Men movies were really cool and really fun I know that they don't really um, stand the test of time and I know that that whole uh, X-Men space is, is a bit of a mess at the moment but I think there's some big opportunities in there but I think you know Halle Berry is Storm such a great choice mm. in fact I'd even like to see her back as Storm mm. I think she, she played that role so well but for peak performance 
I'm really going to have to go with, you know, I gave her a, an Oscar um, in the early days of, of Half Measures. I'm going to give it to her for her role in uh, in John Wick Chapter 3. So Halle Berry plays Sophia. And I think, you know, she, I've said it before, but she, she goes toe-to-toe with Keanu Reeves as John Wick. She puts on a, a stellar performance. She's got just as many moves uh, as John Wick. It's incredible what she does. Um, and I, th- I think she was such a, a memorable character. It would be great to see her in more John Wick going forward. Great choice. How about you, Paul? Yeah, great choices. I, I had her down, uh, as I mentioned, for for John Wick. Um, for me, you know, she first appeared on my radar in the X-Men and you know, looking back through her film, filmography, catalogue, whatever you want to call it, she, she has made a lot of older movies and I hadn't realised. So things like uh, Boomerang and Executive Decisions I, I watched those movies, but I don't think I knew who she was at that point. I think she peaked, you know, with those X-Men movies with James Bond and so on. Um, I feel like just like I talked about with Val Kilmer the other week with, with Batman, I feel like the Catwoman experience wasn't a good one for her. And, you know, I feel like there's a number of different reasons for that. And I felt like it kind of left a bit of a, a stain on her career because other than that, I think she's been really, really good. And, um, when I was reading about some of her stuff, it sounds like her career could have kicked off even earlier, but she passed. She passed on the role, the lead role in the movie Speed. And of course, that went to Sandra Bullock. And, you know, all of us remember that, you know, Sandra Bullock in that movie and keeping the bus from going over 50 miles an hour the whole time with Keanu. Um, I just think that would have been a great role for her. Um, but I've always enjoyed her. I think the, the most recent thing, I, the same as you, Dan, I feel like I haven't seen her that much recently. The last thing I saw him was um, the Kingsman Golden Circle movie, um, which I always remember basically as the movie where Elton John gets taken prisoner and is forced to play the piano and sing Elton John. So, I mean, what a great cameo. Um, but back onto Halle, sorry. Um, I think for a, a peak performance, I uh, go runner up the same as you, Dan. Um, that when I think of Storm, I think of her. And so now in those those later X-Men movies, when it's not her, it never feels quite the same. And I think that's a, a, a real good sign that I really enjoyed her in those in that role. And like you, I think it would be great if she if she came back, you know, perhaps maybe some of the old the old crew from the original movie would be great. Um but for my peak performance, I'm actually gonna go with Die Another Day. Um, which is interesting because this is by no means my favorite Bond movie at all. I think it's got the my favorite ever start to a Bond movie where Pierce Brosnan's taken prisoner. I think that's a great scene, but I found her role in this to be really, really good. I thought she was a really strong character, certainly as strong as any female lead that had been in the franchise, at least until that point. So we're talking 2002. Um, And so, yeah, I thought she was great in the role, probably the best actress Pierce Brosnan starred opposite in his four Bond movies. And I think another reason her performance in Bond was top of mind for me was I actually recently read, just literally like in the last week, she was talking to one a news outlet about how she had a spin-off series for Jinx, her character, and possibly even a spin-off movie at one point in development. And it was almost green lit, but then MGM decided to reboot the Bond series with Casino Royale. And I guess, you know, the rest is history. But she was really, really close to actually getting a a a, a spin-off based on that character. And so I guess based on the strength of that performance. So, uh, so yeah, don't know the day is my, uh, Halle Berry peak performance. Nice, nice choice. I think it's, um, it's kind of unfortunate that movies like, like Catwoman, and I'm sure there's some fans out there of that, but it's such mm-hmm. 
you know, a film that probably got some some Razzies and some awards for for not being not being very good. But I feel like if they were to do a standalone Catwoman today, yeah. um, it would probably be incredible, and it would actually be great, you know, to to give Halle Berry a, yes. an, another shot at that role. Um, and I, I I know that that's probably not really on the cards. We've got a, a new Catwoman with a new Batman, but I think it's a it's a shame sometimes. I think just just the wrong time for some of these movies. Unfortunately, I think you're right. And just to clarify my remark, it you know that the, the failure of that movie was not down to her at all. It was down to the writing. It was down to some of the casting, not her. Uh, th- that costume was kind of ridiculous. Um, there was just a whole bunch of things that made that movie not quite as successful. And I feel like, like you, given a second chance now, I think she could knock it out of the pack. Definitely. All right. So uh, Gary Oldman was your your other choice for peak performance. So Gary Oldman's got a, a huge uh, back catalogue of different options to uh, go through. So many – this was a tough choice for me, a, a much harder choice. And I think something that stands out for me with um, Gary Oldman is I think he can play such a great – uh, hero character or such a terrifying villain mm. and when he plays a hero like when I think about him as uh, Jim Gordon in, in Batman I believe in Jim Gordon incredible you know Jim Jim, Jim Gordon for um, for mayor for president whatever it takes on the flip side when you see um, Gary Oldham as as a villain in shows like True Romance or The Fifth Element mm. or a number of other films, he's terrifying. Mm. He's a, he, he can truly play a, a terrifying villain. And so uh, he, and he can also play a, such a loving character, like when I think about his role as Sirius Black in, in Harry Potter. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think for me, though, I am going to go with, oh, I'm, st- I'm still even undecided at this point. I think for my, for my runner-up, I'm going to have to go with Batman Begins. Just because, not only do I love, do I love that TV show, so TV, do I love that movie? I, I, I just think he, he he brings Jim Gordon to to life for me in a in a mm. different way. Mm. It's really great. For the villain, I'm actually going to go for a movie. God, I'm all over the place today. It's because we've been recording too long. For the winner, I'm glitching out. I need, I need a hard I need a hard reset. For for my for my winner. Um, for my my peak performance, I'm going to go with Leon the Professional. So we've talked about this movie before as a peak performance for Natalie Portman, but I think uh, Gary um, Gary Oldman as um, Stansfield mm-hmm. as the villain, so terrifying. And you know, there's nothing more scary than a, a coked up um, Gary Oldman bad guy. And so for me, that's his peak performance. Great. Really good choices and a really good summary. So much, so much of what you just said, I think, were things I was I were thinking. I chose Gary Oldman for this week's peak performance. I think really because I've always been so fascinated by him because he's, he's he's such a unique actor that unless you sort of check the credits or or maybe you recognise his voice, you, sometimes you may not even know you're watching him. He's he's just a real master of disguise. So many different looks, whether it's through makeup or wigs or costumes or, or whatever, you always get a very uh, visually rich performance from him and he's got such a, a great range on his voice as well in fact i actually forget sometimes that he he's british it's only when he's in roles 
you know, like Harry Potter or Tinker Tailor, or of course, most recently, I think the incredible darkest hour that I kind of realized that, um, his American accent is just so convincing, which is, you know, why he's quite possibly, you know, as, as we've talked about one of the best James Gordon's ever in the Batman universe. So, um, so yeah, he's, a, he's a great actor. He's not a, he's not often the lead actor. I don't think that's not what I read, think of him for anyway. He's sort of like someone who's always there alongside someone. Um, but, uh, so, so my runner up actually, Funny enough, once again, it's the same as you, Dan. I've got Jim Gordon. I'm actually going to, I'm breaking the rules a bit. I'm having him as Jim Gordon in the Dark Knight trilogy um, because, you know, peak performance is all about a performance and so it's not about the movie. So this is his performance as Jim Gordon across those movies. I'm having the whole lot. Uh, I think the role of Gordon, as you sort of touched on, is kind of like, for me, the, the second most important role after Bruce Wayne, Batman, it's, I, I put it above Alfred or any of the villains or Robin or anyone else. It's such an important thing for me who plays Jim Gordon. And so Gary Oldman is just, there's been some great Gordons through the years, but he played him so subtly, so gentle, so warm, but with that still that underlying strength, sense of justice. I'm glitching out now as well. Um, he really took the character places um, that maybe no other movie iteration has, but the, the performance that actually supersedes that for me, my number one, uh, definitely for me, just kind of like with Daniel Day-Lewis, I knew before coming in who I was going to go with. This the one is Mason Verger in, in Hannibal. And this this is a, a, a character that not many people might realize it's Gary Oldman underneath that, because this is a character whose face has been cut off by Hannibal Lecter. He's wheelchair bound. He's living on a liquid diet. Um, but, but Gary Oldman gets so much out of the performance. He conveys so much emotion when, when he's talking with Clary Sterling, his voice is so terrifying. Just like you were talking about Dan, it's just so creepy. Even an FBI agent like Clarice who's dealt with Hannibal is still shaken by this guy. And the, I think maybe the combination of his performance and Ridley Scott as the director is maybe what brings this movie for me actually above the science of the lambs, which is a, you know, another big call. Um, probably not a popular opinion but i've watched hannibal at least three times more than i've watched the science of the lambs and i think a lot of that is is, is gary Oldman. my favorite scenes are, are all with his character i find it an extraordinary performance and as i always say i want to go and watch that movie right now is how i feel i think um even th- there's so many honorable mentions as well i think for gary Oldman. like I- I was thinking as well, like, um, two movies I actually didn't bring up was like, so The Fifth Element, mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. classic villain. Um, actually, Dracula. Again, I, I, I forgot that Gary Oldman was Dracula mm-hmm. and, and Bram Stoker's Dracula. Like, such a such a great choice. It, it, was, a, it was a tough call. And do, do you know something that always happens in my mind? When I hear Gary Oldman, I think Gary Busey for some reason. <laughs> and they're obviously they're very different people. They are very different. Um, were very different vibes but in my head if you know if you showed me a photo and it's like is this gary oldman or gary Busey? look i think 50 50 what way that's gonna go if you get maybe we'll choose gary Busey out of respect now we'll do him next time maybe maybe not i don't know if you want to be disturbed google the words mason verger gary oldman and uh you'll you'll see what i'm talking about but um you're, you're so right there's so many honorable mentions uh, Dracula, the Fifth Element, the two that are iconic. Um, there's, there's funnily enough been a lot of movies. I was looking through his catalogue, obviously, that just look like they went straight to DVD or, or whatever. He, he sort of does a lot of fillers. 
you know, unlike someone like Daniel Day-Lewis, Gary Oldman seems to always keep busy. But when it comes to the big roles, he really, he really knocks it out of the pack. And yeah, it was a, a, a another one of those actors I wanted to choose, and uh, I was interested to hear what you you went with. So it was good. It was real good. Well, Paul, this has been another very long episode. Um, we, we probably should wrap it up. Yeah, bring it to an end. I think there's there's just time for me to say uh, thank you to Time Traveling Team Podcast for for sponsoring this week's episode of Half Measures, and I will pass to you, Dan, and see you guys next week. Yeah, so make sure um, you reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit. Um, you'll be able to find all of the links to those in the Half Measures show notes. Thank you once again to Trisha Brady and Samara King, uh, producers of today's show. If you would like to support the show on Patreon, we would love to have you there. Your name could be read out here as well. Thanks for listening. Um, we better give a, a code word just to see who's actually made it all the way to the end. Let's make it what, – what are we going to – beam me up, Scotty. Nice. Beam me up, Scotty, if you made it to the end. But until next week, guys, adios.